Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. We have allowed ourselves to become so disconnected and ignorant about something that is as intimate as the food that we eat. Be prepared to grow your own for victory. God said I need somebody strong enough to clear trees and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink foamed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer. Hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornbrough, and glad you're with me again this week. And today I'm going to talk about what is my second favorite thing to grow on my homestead? I did a I did a podcast uh, it's been a few months ago on comfrey, and comfrey is is no doubt about it one of the best, I think the best addition to a homestead you can have. It just it, it's so versatile, does so many things. Uh, you just get so much use out of that plant or that herb. But today I want to talk about my second favorite thing and it's something i've had an appreciation for since i was a young kid and i'll talk a little bit about that when we get to it but that that thing that i grow on my homestead is a mulberry tree and you might be thinking uh, mulberry that that's a little bit surprising because a lot of people consider that tree a burden but today i'm going to talk about why i believe it is one of the best trees you can have on your homestead but before we get into that uh let's just let me just share a few homestead updates with you and um uh, first thing on the uh, list is that i'm just not getting as much hunting in as i thought i was going to do i think i mentioned in the last uh, episode how oh it's hunting season i want to really get out there in the woods and i think since that episode i've made it out once so it's just not happening it's a busy time of the year for me again and and it's just been crazy around here and i just have a hard time making time for those things it seems like but I, I'm going to be off on a week's vacation here in a couple weeks and um, hoping to get a little bit in that week. So <laughs> looking forward to that. Oh, I'm also uh, pretty happy about uh, it's that time of the year when you start getting those seed catalogs in, you know, and I, I absolutely love that. I got my Baker Creek and I got my, uh, my Johnny selected seeds and um, always uh, just love kicking back in the, you know, in the evenings and dreaming about spring and looking at what seeds i'm going to order and if i'm going to try anything new this next year so i love getting my seed catalogs if you don't get if you don't get free seed catalogs uh, you need to go to all these um to these uh, seed places and uh on the internet and and just sign up for a free catalog and they'll send it to you and uh, it really just helps keeping you motivated and gives you some good ideas on what to grow in your garden and uh, try new things see what works better maybe just see some things you'd like to try that look like they taste really good and I love it. I love spending hours just looking through the magazines and putting lists together on what I want to buy. I'll generally put a you know a decent little order in, uh, you know, right after the first of the year sometime, and get those in so I can start get things started in the greenhouse early. But uh, yeah, I love getting my seed catalogs, and I'm also really getting into this uh, on this homemade gifts kick. Uh, started doing some homemade gifts. I, I made one for my anniversary for my my wife and I's anniversary here a while back. Made a nice little uh, wood thing. 
uh, for us, and uh, she really loved that. And um, I'm making all my uh, daughters um, some gifts, and uh, I'm just really getting on that kick, and it seems like they like it uh, also, and it just means more to them in the long run when you make a good homemade gift, and you usually save some money doing that. So I'm I'm really getting on that kick. I really enjoy it. Um, let's see. All the garden beds are officially put to bed. I got them all covered up with leaves and, and compost and then leaves and um you know anxious uh, i'm anxious about getting the new year started next year when i when when they're completely ready to go so uh yeah that's that's going well uh still doing the rabbit thing i still got some left to butcher i think we got about i don't know a dozen uh left to butcher here in the next few weeks a couple weeks and then um i probably won't have any more until spring i'll, I'll let them rest through the winter time some people keep going year round with them and to be honest with you i just don't like the extra burden in the winter time it's a lot more stuff to to deal with and when the weather's bad and you know their bottles are freezing up or their dishes are freezing up and it's just a little more of a hassle and i try to put plenty in the freezer uh, to get us through that time you know through the winter time so you know, don't worry about that um that's about all that's going on around here i mean we're just still plugging away doing the same old stuff but uh, that's that's what's new uh homestead relevant news this week i got a couple articles for you that i was pretty excited about reading one um, came from um, the Washington Post of all places. And I thought this was interesting because the, the title is A Growing Number of Young Americans Are Leaving Desk Jobs to Farm. And when it talks about farms in this article, I mean, just reading this article, it's you know it's not talking about the big industrial-type farms or whatever. It's these smaller organic-type farms. And um, I was pretty excited about that. It, it just really shows you th- that even the... Uh, it's getting to be common for folks to think about their food and think about a, a different career path. Um, they're starting to live outside the box of what is expected of them. And I, I just think that's pretty cool, you know, and I, I like hearing that. I mean, we definitely need people doing jobs that, you know, that are in offices, of course. I'm not saying those are not important jobs, um, but I'm, I'm just saying that so many people are waking up to the fact that that doesn't have to be the way it is. Uh, and I think that's pretty cool. You know, I think it's neat that, that folks are starting to, um, take control of their food. They want to be involved with, you know, the outdoors and growing food and, and, uh, just being aware of where food comes from. So I think that's pretty neat. So it's a good article. I have a link to that in the show notes and it's, it's pretty decent that it comes out in a place like the Washington post. I mean, this is a, this is a place where you don't expect to read something like this and it's there. And I always love seeing it in mainstream, uh, media. I think it's, that's always nice when you see that because it just, uh, really gets an, a, an awareness out there to folks that don't normally see these things. The other article came from a, I guess it's a local paper in uh, Massachusetts called the Greenfield Recorder. And, um, this one, uh, was titled evolution of farming in America. And, uh, I thought this one was really interesting because it makes this distinction between the, what I mentioned a few minutes ago about like what, you know, maybe previously was considered real farmers, these big acreage, uh, you know, lots of, lots of acres, um, lots of big equipment, you know, turning out lots of, uh, produce. Well, it's actually saying that there's kind of a change going on this, this, uh, evolution of farming in America is becoming a, a, a lot of these smaller scale farms these uh what used to be considered these um well in their words wannabe uh uh, farmers or backyarders or foodies or hippies or hobbyists um these are their words they use but now these are being considered 
real farms. Uh, people that are they're, they're growing food, they're selling that food, they're making a living selling that food in many cases, even in smaller uh, areas. So it makes a good distinction that it talks about the transition and what's leading to that transition and, and um, what it means. So I think it's a great article as well. I'll have a link to that one also. I, I encourage you to go read these articles. When I run across them, I don't put them in here unless I just feel like there's something encouraging usually. Um, unless it's just something real important I think you need to hear. But generally, I try to have some encouraging articles uh, in the podcast uh, notes that you can go read. So you just go to the show notes and check those out. The show notes for today, by the way, are at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 70. This is uh, episode 70, so go check those out. On to our uh, Hanging Out on the Front Porch segment, where I talk about a question that I always post in the uh, Homestead Front Porch for the podcast episode. And today's question was, on your homestead, what provides you with the most food throughout the year? And then uh, some of the responses were really good. Uh, not real unexpected. I mean, I expected to see a lot of the same stuff. I was kind of hoping I'd get some more detailed, uh, like oh, this certain vegetable or this certain you know animal. And I got some of that, but uh, a lot of times people were just saying gardens, <laughs> hunting, you know, things like that. But a lot of that was hunting. A lot of people are supplying their what gives them their most food throughout the year on their homestead was through hunting and uh, and there's a lot of them that said chickens uh and then that's provided for meat and eggs um there was a lot of those so uh, that's pretty common and a lot of hunting too there's a lot of people saying hunting a lot of people said like raspberries blackberries things like that uh chickens and ducks we see here a lot of people who who have cattle of course say say you know raising their own beef they're, they're gonna have a lot of beef in the freezer so that's gonna supply them a lot of uh, a lot of meat. Let's see here. Going down through some of the answers, livestock, hunting. Um, a lot of some people said their gardens were their biggest supplier. Just their garden in general. I mean, they just put away enough food from their gardens that it provides most of their food throughout the year. Rabbits. That would be where mine would probably be uh, between the rabbits and the garden, of course. Um, greenhouse, um, hunting, eggs, chickens. A lot of hunting. I mean, a lot of people are saying that. Uh, rabbits, chickens, ducks, uh, and my gardens. They just kind of took it all. It's probably providing all their food just about. Beehives, I've seen that a couple times, which kind of surprised me. I, I don't think of beehives as providing the majority of your food for the year, but I guess it can. Here's one with quail. Our quail probably provide the most food overall. Yeah, that's between the eggs and the meat. I experienced that because raising quail. I mean, you get, a, you get a lot of eggs. I mean, I got more eggs than I could use. Um... Let's see here. Yeah, just a lot of the same, you know, a lot of the same stuff. Dairy cows, a lot of milk. They drink milk every day, some people said. Uh, laying hens and pecan orchard. Yeah, I didn't see a lot of orchard, which surprised me. A couple in here. Um, because, man, an orchard can supply so much food, so much food. Especially like an apple orchard. Um, yeah, a lot of the same stuff there. But there's some new, there's some different ones in there. Uh, you want to go check that out. There's a link in the show notes to that uh, Facebook post in our front porch Facebook group. If you're not yet a member of the homestead front porch, Facebook group, click on that link and, and then request to join. And I have two questions in there. You just answer yes to, and uh, we'll get you right in there. It's a great group. It's nearly 20,000 people in there and uh, very active. Uh, A lot of folks, um, a lot of folks sharing, uh, uh, tips, a lot of folks asking great questions. You can be part of answering their questions and helping out with their homesteads and, and just a real community in there. And I think that's something that I tell you what, I love this podcast. I love my website. I love a lot of the things I do, but I think the greatest, uh, 
thing that we have going on is that Facebook group. I mean, there's such a sense of community in there that I just love it. So it's our official Facebook page for this podcast, and you should be a part of it if you're listening to this podcast because there's a lot of stuff that comes out of there. Um, Let's get on with our main uh, topic of discussion today. And I called this segment the underappreciated mulberry tree because I believe it is underappreciated. And I remember when I was a kid, um, I would spend many weekends at my grand my grandparents' house. I mean, I, I practically lived at my grandparents' house all, nearly every weekend growing up. And they had a they had a homestead. They really did. We they had a a pretty good sized place, and and they didn't build it into the homestead that it was. Previous owners had actually made it that way, and it had all kinds of fruit trees, and it had strawberry patches. It had a, a grape it had grapevines everywhere. It had just walnut groves. It had it had so much stuff, you know. And my grandparents just kind of inherited that and i loved it you know i grew up around that and they had back behind behind their barn uh, along a fence row they had probably 20 or so mulberry trees big mulberry trees and uh, you know grandma would send me back there to pick a bucket full for a pie and uh, i remember i remember because i was pretty young you know seven eight nine I remember it would take me a long time to fill the bucket because I would eat, you know, two out of uh, every three I would pick. And then, uh, you know, my grandma would just laugh when she see me coming to the house and she'd be like, you're going to have a bellyache. And, uh, you know, because I think the stains on my face were just giving it away, right? And, um, you know, all my life, mulberries have been one of my favorite uh, fruits. And, um, you know, you can imagine my surprise when I found out most people actually despise the mulberry tree, they despise it. They consider it invasive. They consider it messy. And, uh, and I admit, I understand why. I mean, if they're parked, if, they're, if you've got one planted along your driveway or where you park a car, or, you know, uh, they, they not only drop the berries everywhere, but if they're even very close to those areas, the birds pick those berries and they can, they can, you know, play paintball with your car pretty good. So I understand the problem, but, you know, if you've got one in the right place on your homestead or you're willing to put up with that, I think they're just a fantastic tree and not just because of the berries. And we're going to get into that in a few minutes, but I'll tell you, I, I love, I love having them on my property. Um, and I would move them. I mean, I wouldn't plant one where it was going to cause me problems and I would move one if it, if it, if it started to grow in a place where, you know, I seen one growing and it was small. It's actually what I did. The two that I have on my property, um, I actually relocated. They started coming up. Uh, I have a neighbor uh, a couple houses down that actually has one. And, of course, I'm pretty sure the birds planted the two that just through some droppings. They started growing in certain places. I saw them coming up, and I picked them out. And I mean, I, I dug them up, and I moved them to a better place in my yard. And now I've got two nice-sized mulberry trees. And um, they, I think the one's about four years old, and the other one's uh, two years old. So, I mean, they're, they're getting and they're a fast-growing tree which is one of the things that makes them really great. And um, they, they're just hard to kill even. I mean, they're a very, very strong tree. They can be grown in most places in, in the United States, um, anywhere like zones four through eight pretty much. Um, and I think they're just a fantastic tree to have on the homestead. And I think they're greatly underappreciated. And I, I'd like to persuade a few self-sufficient folks to make them part of their homestead. I really think they're an important tree to have around. And like I said, not just because of the berries. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Um, but I've never planted a tree, any other tree, with such an ability to thrive. These trees are hard to kill. They really are. I mean, you can cut them off a level at the ground and they'll just <laughs> start growing again sometimes. They're really a tough tree to kill. 
and uh, transplanting them or, you know, uh, starting uh, trees in your yard, they're just, they're going to go, you know, 99% of the time. They're just a very, very um, tough tree. They really are. I think the most common mulberry trees are the black mulberry, the red mulberry, and the white mulberry. There are, there's a few different variations of mulberry. Um, there, there's one that I think it's called the Pakistan mulberry. I'd like to actually get one of these trees and I'm thinking I'm going to get one and put it on my, uh, in my homestead, um, because it has these really long, long berries. And I think it's pretty fascinating. Really. I, um, just going to look that up real quick. I'm pretty sure it was called the Pakistan mulberry. Um, yeah, Pakistan mulberries and they're huge. I mean, these things are like as long as your finger just about, and they look like they'd be a really cool addition. Um, to a homestead. I mean, I think they'd be just a fantastic, but I have the common one for my area is the red mulberry. It's probably the most common one. And that's what I have. And, um, uh, white mulberries are pretty common too. They have a little less flavor. They're not as messy though. So they're, they're a benefit as well to have on your homestead. Um, but the, again, the berries are fantastic. They make great, you know, all kinds of things. And we'll talk about some recipes of things you can make with them here in a little bit, but the berries are just fantastic, and and I they're one of my favorites. I mean, when I actually consider my favorite fruit, I, I very few people probably say this, but for me, it's it's the mulberry. It really is. I just love, I love them, and uh, and I, I can't understand anybody not liking them. They don't. They're not quite as tart as like a, a blackberry. Um, they're not. Um, I don't know. They're just a very very good tasting fruit, um, but. What I'll start out talking about here is the mulberry leaves. I want to talk about what one of the things that makes this such a great uh, homestead tree, like I said, is not just the berries, but also the leaves. Mulberry leaves are they're really important for one reason, because they're the only food of the silkworm from where we get silk, of course. And, um, and most of the varieties are the ones I mentioned already are, are edible. The leaves are edible by livestock and even humans most of the time, depending on their, you know, what they are exactly and which and how, you know, they're not going to taste very good unless they're real young. And it's now I would, I don't eat the leaves, but I definitely, it's turned out to be a fantastic fodder for my livestock. I I'd mentioned in podcast before that I grow fodder in the wintertime and I don't in the summer because I, I have so much forage. Well, most of that forage is made up of mulberry leaves. I cut off a lot of mulberry leaves off my trees and other mulberry <laughs> trees that I know where they're located. People consider them a junk tree. They don't want them. And I'll go cut them down when they're growing, and they'll get three or four or five feet tall, and they'll want rid of them, and I'll, I'll cut them down, you know, and bring the, bring the whole tree. You know, it's not very big, of course. I'll drag it back to the house. And, um, and this one, one of my neighbors has a pole barn uh, beside his house, and, and mulberry trees grow like crazy all the way around this thing i don't know why but they just i think it's because the gutters and and the birds dropping the seeds in there and it comes down and washes around the barn and anyway it has mulberries pop trees popping up like crazy all around this thing all the time and i'll and they'll get two or three or four feet tall and guys out there getting remote yard i'm like you want me to cut those down for you and i'll go out there and cut them all down drag them over and feed them to my rabbits they absolutely love them and they don't just love the leaves. They also love the branches, believe it or not. They love to chew on mulberry branches, like small, you know, finger uh, diameter or less. They just, they eat them up. They love them. And it helps them keep their teeth, uh, you know, kind of wore down because that can be a problem with um, with rabbits, of course, their teeth growing. But it's not just a good forage for rabbits. It's a great forage for, for goats, for sheep, even cattle. 
um, can uh, part of their diet can be made up of uh, mulberry leaves. So it's a fantastic, fantastic forage, and it has some amazing um, benefits to it. Uh, the protein on it varies anywhere from fifteen to twenty eight percent, depending on the variety. It's just a, it's just a it has all kinds of mineral benefits as well. I won't get into all that. Uh, I will put a couple links in the show notes though that give some detail on on what it actually has mineral wise. But with rabbits, goats, and sheep, you can make it mostly their main diet pretty much. Um, with with cattle, I don't think it's advised. Um, but uh, with with smaller livestock, for sure it can. And um, it's just a it's a fantastic fodder, fantastic. I love it. And uh, I think, uh, like I said, if you're looking for a good fodder to uh, feed your life, your small animals, um, have some mulberry trees on your property because they will do the trick and, um, they'll, they'll, they'll thrive on it. You know what? Also getting into a, uh, um, production of silk or maybe uh, silk, maybe somebody wants to get into that and planting a bunch of mulberry trees could, uh, definitely, uh, that could be profitable in that area i think i think with all this stuff though you want to feed it in moderation to your livestock um i give my rabbits i don't feed them pure uh leaves i mean they have feed they also get some things out of the garden they'll get some grass and and whatnot it ain't a 100 that's what i feed them but i think you could i just think it's better to have some variety in their diet but again fantastic tree it's a very fast growing tree so you get a lot of um, you get a lot of limbs you'll be cutting off of it a lot of leaves you'll get off of it uh, a lot of fruit you're going to get off of it i mean a full-size mulberry tree is going to give you somewhere around 50 to 80 gallons of fruit um, that's a lot of fruit. I mean, you could make a lot of stuff, put up a lot in the freezer or or canning and or making certain recipes with. Um, it's going to put off a lot of fruit for you on your homestead, a lot of food. So, um, you know, uh, they're such a benefit to have. Again, they they are a tree that has multiple purposes. And uh, I think it'd be crazy not to have a couple, you know, just because of the mess they make, especially if you've got the room to get them in an area where they're not really going to have a huge effect on, you know, making a mess. Basically, the, the fruit can be used in any dessert where you'd use any other fruit or berry. It just makes everything better, okay? And it has some fantastic health benefits as well. And uh, some of the health benefits of mulberries, uh, and I'll have a link to, to this in the show notes for, for a, uh, a website talking about some of that, but these berries are really rich and all kinds of, of antioxidants and, and things like that. Uh, vitamin C, very rich in vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin E. Uh, they, they're just they're an excellent source of iron. They're, it says they're also a good source of minerals like potassium, manganese, and magnesium. Um, and vitamin, they are also rich in a B-complex group of vitamins and vitamin K. So you can just see they have a huge amount of, uh, of nutritional benefits. So anything you can put them and I mean, you're going to get the benefit of that as well. So um, they're a very healthy berry. They're a, they're an extremely healthy uh, berry to have around. So when you put them in your in your uh, recipes, of course, it's just adding you know nu- nutrients to your recipes. I think they're super awesome in muffins. And I'm going to have a link to all these things I'm going to mention. Uh, I'm going to have a link for these things where you can see a recipe for for these different things. But uh, uh, wild mulberry muffins are unbelievable okay but unbelievable and something i grew up on was mulberry pie i mean my grand both my grandparents 
um, would make mulberry pie. They'd say, get out there and pick us up some mulberries. Get, bring us in a bucket of mulberries and we'll make some pies. Uh, mulberry jam is just super awesome. <laughs> mulberry cobbler. Um, mulberry sir- syrup is super easy to make. And um, and just it's just great. And uh, something I did a couple years ago for the first time was make mulberry wine, and that was really, really, really good. And again, I have I have actually links to all these recipes you could make um, from mulberries in the show notes. So go check those out because uh, you're definitely want to get the ben- gonna want to get the benefits from this tree and some of these recipes because it makes it all worthwhile. Now, what good is it having something like this on your property if you're not going to make the most of it? And you can absolutely, absolutely uh, make some fantastic recipes with mulberries. And also, you know, just saving them for freezing. I mean, they're really easy to, to freeze. They freeze really good. They dry really good, too. Um, I, I like to just spread them out on a cookie sheet. I'll put, like, some wax paper on a cookie sheet, and I'll just spread them all over a cookie sheet, uh, and then I'll stick them, lay them in the, in the deep freeze or lay them in the freezer, and I let them freeze first. And then I vacuum pack, uh, then I stick them in, uh, in a vacuum packer. That way it doesn't crush them when it's sealing them and it's already frozen, and you can just throw bag after bag after bag in your freezer. And then when you're in the middle of winter and you want to make a pie or some cobbler or some muffins, you just drag a you know a couple batches out or whatever and get to it. So they're really easy to to, to keep around for those kind of things. You can dry them and things like that and use them, but I prefer freezing them. I think they just come back really good. They t- they still have all their flavor and and uh, good texture still. So they they, they freeze really well. Um, but you know as as I stated earlier, they do pose a problem for clean cars and and clean driveways and things like that. So. You, you know, if you don't want to end up hating this tree, put it somewhere where it's not going to be a burden, but yet you can still get the benefits from it. Uh, I live in town. I have an urban homestead, and I've got two of them on the back part of my property. And, you know, we'll see the occasional <laughs> colorful bird dropping on our car, but it's not excessive and it ain't that bad. Uh, honestly, when we didn't have a mulberry tree, but my neighbor did a couple properties down, we got it from that even. And that that's far from our drive. So... Um, you know, if there's even one in the area, you're still going to get the, the effect a little bit, but having them next to a driveway can definitely be a burden because it can just totally cover your driveway. So don't put them any place where they're going to be a burden. It'll, like I said, it'll just make you hate the tree. And I want you to love this tree because this is, like I said, when I rank the two of my, the two favorite things I grow on this homestead, number one is comfrey. And number two is my mulberry trees. And I have apple trees, pear trees, and cherry trees as well. I also have blackberries and raspberries. Out of all those things, the mulberry trees are my favorite because they're multi-purpose. Um, I didn't even get to where the branches. It has these pretty long, fairly flexible branches that you can use to make some things out of. You can make some trellises. You can even Some people make baskets out of them, believe it or not. I mean, they're that flexible. They're not quite as long as willow or anything like that, so you make smaller stuff with them, but you can do it. I mean, they grow, and they grow really fast. I mean, these trees are super fast growing. So, um, you know, pick you up a couple mulberry trees if you have a place for them, or if you see one out in the field somewhere, you can relocate it to your to your, uh, you know, a, a area of your homestead where it's more useful and you can get the fruit from it. And uh, you can get to the fruit before the birds do, rather, because they love it. So, uh, you know, I hope you'll appreciate this tree a little bit more after hearing this because I do. I think this tree is underappreciated, and uh, I think they're just great. And I think uh, if you're able to grow mulberry in your area, 
you should probably be growing some mulberry. And uh, check out some of them other varieties. Like I said, I, I grow a red. Um, the white's a little less messy, a little less flavorful, but a little less messy, and uh, but still has the, the good forage benefits. Um, and those Pakistan uh, mulberries look awesome. They're real super long, and I'm just dying to maybe get some of those one day. And I was on Amazon the other day, and I seen where you could buy some some like four inch pot potted trees of those Pakistan mulberries, and those look pretty cool. I and like I said, they're as long as your finger. They're really long, the actual fruit. And I, and I don't know what they taste like, but I bet they taste real similar. And um, I think they'd be pretty pretty awesome to have on the homestead. So I might pick up one of those or two of those and plant them somewhere just to have them because they look pretty cool. So check those out. And, uh, next time you see a mulberry tree growing, say, Hey, um, uh, I've never had those before. Jump out and have you some, if you've never had one and enjoy that tree. Cause, uh, you won't regret it unless you put it somewhere where you're going to regret it. <laughs> just don't do that. Um, okay. Let's wrap that up. Uh, today's recommendations. I have a, I have one recommendation for you. Well, I have two recommendations. I'm gonna recommend two things. Uh, one is, um, a while back, uh, about a year ago, probably now, um, uh, Troy McClung was on uh, the podcast talking about his his homestead, and he, him and his wife even hosted a couple episodes for me a few months ago. And he has a YouTube channel; it's called Red Toolhouse. And uh, he just finished a few days ago uh, a series he was doing, a ten part series called uh, Ten Things You Need to Hoard on Your Homestead." And uh, he just talks about some different things. Each episode's talking about one of those 10 things that you should hoard, things that you could just never really have enough of, things you can use at later date if you keep these things around your homestead. I thought it was a pretty good series, and I, I think you ought to go check that out. i got a link to that in the show notes. He's got a great channel. He's putting out tons of videos. Troy's a great guy, man, and I'm, I'm telling you, he's... He, that family's putting out some pretty awesome videos. And, um, if you never heard his podcast where he come on and him and his wife came in and did kind of like a financial breakdown of raising hogs on your homestead. Um, that's pretty, pretty good podcast. So you'll go check that out. Uh, if you never heard that, I think it was, a, I thought it was a pretty, a lot of people commented on that episode and, um, that him and his wife, uh, uh hosted, uh, for me and uh, they said that was just awesome i mean they got a ton from that and it really helped anybody out that was thinking about raising pigs on their homestead so check that episode out check out their youtube channel and for sure check out that 10-part series on on um, things you can never have too many of on your homestead things you should should be hoarding on your homestead so uh again i always appreciate oh i was going to give you another recommendation um justin rhodes channel uh Justin Rhodes just finished up their farm tour, their Great American Farm Tour. They visited every state, and I think it was nine and a half months in their converted school bus. The entire family did. And they visited um, homesteads in every state and and farms and homesteads. And you should go see some of those. But just he's wrapped it up now. They're getting ready to put together a documentary of their of their trip. And um, if you've not ever checked that out, go check that out. I you've probably heard of it. You've probably already checked it out, but you should stay up on that. Cause I've been watching that. I don't, I wouldn't say I've watched every video, but I've watched a majority of them. And, uh, it's been pretty inspiring to see, uh, all the farms they visited and, and, and homesteads. And, and it wasn't all huge farms. I mean, a lot of, there was even some urban homesteads. They, they brought their big old bus to and parked at and, and, you know, talked about how great things were there. And, and, you know, he's really into permaculture and that's their, their website. It's abundant permaculture. He had a video called uh, Permaculture Chickens, and uh, just just a great guy, great videos. 
Uh, I've never been able to get a hold of him to try to get him on the podcast. I'd love to. I'd love to, to reach out to him at some point or have him respond, try to get him on the podcast. But I know he's got so many things going on that uh, he, he's he's a pretty busy guy. <laughs> but anyway, I'd love to have him on the podcast someday. Uh, so if you, if you know if you know Justin, you might you might want to you know drop him a line and say, hey, I know a podcast you ought to go on because <laughs> I'd love to talk to him. Um, but uh, yeah, great great stuff he's got going on there, and uh, you ought to check that out if you've never watched any of his videos before. As usual, I want to thank those who uh, make this podcast possible by donating through PayPal or shopping through our Amazon affiliate links. You know, if you shop through our Amazon affiliate links, go to our site and use our affiliate link uh, to go to Amazon and shop. It don't cost you a dime more, um, and uh, we get a little kickback from that. It's pretty small, but it's something, and it helps keep the lights on here at the at the Modern Homesteading Podcast. So, you know, we really appreciate you guys using our Amazon link. And you know what? Uh, it ain't all about money. I, I, I get fed by encouragement as well, and I love it when you guys leave iTunes reviews, or reviews anywhere for that matter. And um, I always enjoy reading those. We had quite a few in the last probably three or four weeks. And, uh, I'm telling you guys, that means a lot to me. I always get a, I always get really encouraged when I read those and it makes me just want to jump on the mics and put out another podcast. So keep those reviews coming. And I think it's just, uh, some social proof that it encourages others to, to listen to the podcast and subscribe to it. And it ups our rankings a little bit and it just, it gets the homesteading word out there. So, you know, we're all about encouraging others to get on this kick and, and change their lives for the better. So, uh, yeah, subscribe in iTunes and leave us a rating and review. I always appreciate that. Again, this uh, this episode can be found at smalltownhomestead.com forward slash 70 for episode 70. And uh, I really appreciate you joining me today. And um, we have uh, some inter- some good interviews coming up here. I've actually been on a couple other podcasts. And uh, you probably going to be hearing those at some point. Uh, and uh, I just really appreciate everything uh, y'all do and i really appreciate the community at the homestead front porch and i gotta tell you folks here in a couple months I, i've hinted about it in the past but here in a couple months we got something really big well about a month and a half now we've got something well i guess in about two months we got something really big coming on the scene here uh for uh, listeners of the modern homesteading podcast so stay tuned for that that's going to be great for those of you who want more of it and um and and I think it'll be a great benefit to you, and and it'll really help uh, keep this podcast uh, growing and getting better. So um, stay tuned for that. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it, working hard on it. It's just taking a little bit of time. I thought I'd have it out before then, but trying to make it just that little bit better. And I ain't going to let – that's about all I'm going to let slip out right now, but you can probably figure it out if you've been to the website. So anyway, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Happy homesteading, and God bless. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow. Tomorrow.